This is the Casual Temple Podcast, and you're listening to episode number nine, and I'm your host, Marilee Duffy. The Casual Temple is a place to discuss the many ways we are connected to the unseen world of spirit and how that empowers us to know our true selves. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to show some love, like, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Now, let's dive into this week's episode. I am delighted to have married artist duo Brooke and Chase Lawrence as our special guests. Join us as we delve into their current artwork, which draws inspiration from alchemy and hermetic themes. Ever wondered why Mars energy is often overlooked in devotional altars? We discuss that too. Stick around for this captivating conversation. Thank you all for joining us here at the Casual Temple. Our guests today are Brooke and Chase Lawrence, who are a married collaborative artist duo who live and work in South Carolina, United States. The Lawrences are sculptors and oil painters who are interchangeably and simultaneously work on every piece together to create highly ornamental and imposing pieces of art. Their work explores new expressions of biophilic design, cryptography, esotericism, and allegory through the use of paint and unusual innovative mediums. Brick and Chase, welcome to the Casual Temple. Thank you for having us. We're excited. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just going to kind of jump in and ask the first question, because I've seen videos on Instagram of you two kind of working on your different pieces. And so I'm wondering how you uh, divide the, the labor of each piece between the two of you, how that works. So sometimes we'll work on the same piece at the same time, but most of the time it depends on how big it is. And lately we've been working on huge pieces constantly for like the past year. So we've yeah. been that way more, but there's some days where Chase is like working on sculptures outside and I'm like in the studio working on paintings and vice versa. And sometimes that changes just during the day. We're super fluid about it. Yeah. A lot of times, I mean, our work now, like for the current series we're doing for this exhibition, everything's really big. So we're more or less like working on everything at the same time. Uh, but we definitely will like kind of bounce around like she's on this painting, I'll be on this sculpture and then kind of switcheroo. But um, a lot of times we will be working at the same exact time because, you know, it's a lot of area to cover. And a lot of the things we're, we're doing, like the processes are um, kind of like two man jobs if you want to be efficient about it. <laughs> so, you know, like we're using a lot of like dry well, I won't say dry, but like uh, mineral earth pigments. So just, you know, any kind of natural pigment that's made from different things like uh, titanium dioxide, chromium oxide, iron oxide, which is basically just rust, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so we'll need to cover like a six foot statue in like this type of medium. So it's a lot easier if, you know, we're both kind of going around it at the same time, but yeah, that's kind of a, a intricate <laughs> insight <laughs> to how we work. All right, cool. I do have a question now that I'm thinking about, cause I've seen some a recent work of you uh, that you're, you're were working on, or maybe it was just an old video, but um, it had like moss on it. Um, yeah. Do you have, okay, say I bought this piece. Do I have to miss it? <laughs> that was something that I was thinking about when you're putting it on there. To, yeah. More recently, it's like, 
how do we market this to clients? Well, it's less about marketing. I would, I would say, and just more about like, how do we want the expectation to be once it's in your possession? Um, so at the, at this time, like we still are about like six months or so away from uh, the exhibition. So we kind of have mm-hmm. a little time to figure that out. But um, we've had pieces that we finished about six or seven months ago and we've kind of mm-hmm. seen like what they've done. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, they're covered in moss and lichens and fungus even like all kinds of like real uh, materials taken directly from nature. Um and some of them are preserved and then a lot of them are still uh, living. And the great thing about like a lot of mosses and lichens is they don't, they don't really ever die. They just kind of go dormant. Mm. They, they have like spores that are like resting there. So like you're saying, if you miss them and they get just enough uh, UV, they will begin growing again. So you could do that. Uh, at this stage, like if you, if you just bought one right now, uh, you could miss it and keep it going. Mm-hmm. But we also have methods we've uh, tested out for preservation. So we're kind of leaning more on preserving the botanicals so that they are not high maintenance. <laughs> but mm-hmm. there's this, uh, a really awesome kind of conceptual factor with uh, leaving some of them alive, depending on what the sculpture's about. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into this, but we work a lot like this whole body works all about uh, alchemy. So there are some pieces where it makes sense to let the vibrant green living botanicals kind of fade and wither because when they do, they turn white and they're bleached, which when we get into that, it's kind of like your albedo stage type of stuff. So um, there is something about that that I really like. And I think, we're going to leave some where it is, it is uh, they are living uh, or dormant or whatever. They've, they've kind of withered into like a bleached white. No, there's no chlorophyll going on. Everything's kind of, you know, it's just taking its natural course and it, and it is what it is. So it, it's pretty interesting though, because they'll go from like green and blue and then they'll go to stark white like snow. Um, so it really changes the whole aesthetic, which I think is kind of cool to have a transition there um and stuff like that is also just really popular in art uh, especially now like the the big collectors and institutions love kind of funky innovative things like that so mm-hmm. i think it all kind of lends itself to that world <laughs> if that makes sense but I don't know if that answers your question, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it could go either way. Like if you were like, I really don't want to take care of this. <laughs> what do we do? You, you, you know, you could be like, we could say, okay, well, we'll, we'll preserve it for you. So it's really not that hard. Got it. To preserve <laughs> it, but, um, I get, you know, you did talk a little bit about sort of the direction of these pieces of art that you are doing. Uh, I personally love it because it's, kind of esoteric and talking about alchemical subjects that I really love. Um, can you talk about what's inspiring that work these days? Yeah, lately, well, the past couple of years, we've been 
looking at a lot of alchemy manuscripts and specifically Splendor Solace is what it has been inspiring a lot of this series, but then we've been reaching beyond that and just looking at, like I said, other manuscripts and um, other interpretations of the process. Yeah, so the interesting thing about this uh, body of work is it, it really all started with, um, do you know... Do you know that Instagram account, Curio Esoterica? I don't think I'm familiar with it. Oh, you gotta look, look him up. Yeah, I will look. Well, he's a friend. He's a friend of ours. Um, and he's like a... Man, he is such a wealth of knowledge on these subjects. And, uh, you know, he's... He went to, like, Drexel, and he's all into... Uh, I think he's like a master librarian, yada, yada. Anyway, he started the whole Curiosa Terica channel as like a kind of like essayist writing outlet focused on uh, magic and esotericism and alchemy is a huge subject that he uh, really goes into a lot. So we started this whole project as a kind of collaborative project with Curiosa Terica and we have a friend named Guy Secrist who he's from Cambridge and he's a historian of science and he has a special uh, focus in alchemy and uh, medicine, I think it is. So, uh, you know, he's very uh, well read on alchemy from a pre-chemistry perspective and just you know, what is it? Where did it come from? Why did it ever exist? Blah, blah, blah. But I think mm -hmm. he, he's a less, um, maybe less interested in the more like magical uh, application as far as, you know, and definitely not like a Jungian perspective. I don't think mm. he really is very into like the Carl Jung and alchemy vein, but um, as far as like museum stuff and uh historical context goes he's like the guy so we all kind of connected and we're trying to figure out like how do we team up and create this project um and so that's kind of the origin of it and we just went crazy with it and then you know guy um uh comes over to america and is now he uh, he's a professor at uh the university of tennessee and so he's been going through a lot and then danny who is the curio esoteric guy he is um he just got a new job and is starting a new project so we're actually talking with him uh this week or next week uh, so i'll have more info on that but we ended up just making tons of work uh with this whole um kind of direction about alchemy just generally um, so it's 20 pieces and then we ended up getting represented by a gallery in, uh, Fernandina beach in Florida, which is on Amelia Island. And so we were like, let's just, you know, we got to have work. Let's just do a, a show. So we're doing like a solo exhibition next year there. And we can give more details about that later, but the, uh, it really just turned into our own thing. Um, so our friends that we just talked about aren't as involved at this point. Um, mm -hmm. 
but but yeah they they kind of got us going so that's kind of where it all started and um it feels good to have such a solid start with them because they really helped us finesse the direction and think about this and think about that Mm -hmm. you know from a a more academic uh side because we were we our goal was to do a museum show and you know like at the Huntington Library or something like that. Yeah, we were going to go for a more academic-focused show. Yeah. Um, which would be amazing, but we're not, like, quite there yet. I think after we have more solo shows, like, later on. Yeah, well, the main thing is, like, we've got to make a living, and we've spent, yeah. like, an entire year full-time working on this, so we literally, <laughs> like, have to sell it. <laughs> so right, right. We can't really uh, yeah, just go straight to a museum and not have any income so yeah yeah our material costs are very very high so it's definitely a labor of love i mean you couldn't do it we couldn't do it uh any other way because Mm -hmm. there are times where you you pay out of pocket you know even though we we are full-time artists we still you know pay out of pocket for all of our material expenses and things like that so Mm -hmm. Hopefully that will change soon, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I I don't know if that answers the question either, but Mm -hmm. you said, uh, or asked what, uh, is inspiring. Um, I think a lot of that angle is, is the answer to the question though, because, um, we have worked a lot with the academic world on this, these types of subjects. I mean, I'm sure you know the YouTube channel Esoterica. Mm -hmm. Justin Sledge. So that kind of thing is really kind of our world. But then we're artists too, so we kind of have a crazy like middle road there. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of like personal experience and personal spiritual insights that that we connect with and really are passionate about uh, illustrating or communicating to some degree with our work. But then on the other hand, it, it is also, uh, at least in our opinion, thoroughly uh, researched. And, um, you know, we, we know more or less what we're talking about. And then, the you know, the further you get, the more you realize that's not actually true. But, <laughs> you know, I like to at least try my best. Yeah. So, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty versed in like, you know, manuscripts and codices mm-hmm. and the historical context and how it applies to, you know, all the religious traditions and mm-hmm. God and God. So, yes. We talk about it every day. <laughs> yeah. It definitely shows because your work, I mean, I love seeing the process of, of how some of these pieces come together because there's so much detail in there. And it's like you hidden like all these like cool things and oh, it's so good. Yeah, um, so- I love, what we love more than anything is for the people from these types of communities to start starting to follow us and see our work and appreciate it because we know that they understand it on many different levels compared to someone who's just an average viewer of art. Yeah, that's just been really exciting. It's having yeah, just connecting with all the people in the in that community. It's it's been. Cool. Yeah. It's basically you're making it for those people is how I see it because it's so yeah. good. Yeah. For better, of course, but uh, <laughs> it feels good just to have those 
types of viewers and people appreciating the work uh just because you know it is kind of lonely in this realm of yeah material yeah and especially where we are you know so yeah based in the south um it is a tougher tougher crowd <laughs> tougher crowd yeah and i think one of the tenants is or at least in sort of, I know in magical processes and maybe in the alchemical process too about kind of keeping silent. And it's mainly around like, because people don't get it <laughs> and they're, they're going to think you're all, um, yeah. yeah. So I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is definitely mm-hmm. uh, part of it, but uh, you know, it's, it, it, it is what it is and always has been the, that way as far as we know yeah for sure nothing new under the sun I guess another question I was having around um because I believe if I remember correctly you're both Pisces um wrong I am wrong oh I could have sworn you both were Pisces Brooke is Sagittarius oh Sagittarius okay and if we're doing Vedic astrology I'm a Leo and you're Uh cancer oh cancer oh well that's our ascendant oh it's kind of what other people perceive you as right 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 that's Um, right but yeah i mean if we're just going like western i'm pisces and i and i think that's very true and always seems to describe me well but even with like a lot of western astrology we just Mm -hmm. we don't really read a lot about it a whole lot outside Mm -hmm. of like alchemy and all that like it uh i go both i mean i think yeah. i think they both kind of meet at certain points mm-hmm. and are the same thing but the vedic uh incorporates like star formation and i i have found that to be more reliable and predictive like energetic phenomena and things like that uh so I, I do think like if you're trying to kind of see what's coming without you know obviously you're not predicting the future exactly but mm-hmm. i don't want an idea of like oh these energies are going to be going around so people may be behaving this way or what mm-hmm. you know whatever uh vedic is like top tier for us but i always just tell people i'm a pisces i don't tell people i'm a leo so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> oh no, um, I pre- thank you for correcting me because I, and all my uh, because I was thinking around the question I had that I was going to ask was around the communication part because I'm a Pisces and so I was applying that to the, to the question because it's hard to communicate like t- with yourself but you two have to communicate with each other and kind of be on the same page um, and I know there's artistic differences that probably occur so how do you work with through and with that definitely like a daily obstacle that you have to work through because different artistic opinions that are both valuable but sometimes one person is just right and you're not uh, i'm very like ocd psychotic about the process but chase is like the most relaxed person ever on earth so I think that's why we even are able to work out, work this out so well, because mm-hmm. even if I'm freaking out about something, like, he's just not going to get to that level at all. 
And so just we kind of meet in the middle there. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're similar in like so many other ways, but. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear the other side tell you how they feel about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> As to me, I mean, honestly, I just, I, I think it's pretty perfect most of the time. Like, I, mean, uh, I don't, uh, I, I mean, yeah, like there are things we don't agree on sometimes and we'll have a little tiff or whatever about she thinks this goes here or looks better this way and I don't or whatever, but that's not that mm-hmm. often. It always feels like it's we're better together. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Well, it's always good to have an extra set of eyes as mm-hmm. an artist, because, especially after you're out of you know you're out of school and you don't have critiques anymore and you don't have professors and you don't have all these people being honest with you. Because like in art school, it's pretty brutal. Like they'll just be like, "Your shit sucks," but but, but you're a good artist, so we know you can do better. But this is why it sucks, and they'll tell you, and you know you have a lot of raw um critique and so definitely like a very harsh critic of our own work because it's our own it represents us you know i want it to be the best it can be so Mm -hmm. i I can definitely come in at that angle and naturally we do that to each other (laughs) yeah um brick can be tough but i'm sure i can be too because i'll come out of nowhere and be like that looks messed up and she's like what But uh, but it's nice because you're kind of double filtering uh, mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might think it looks so good. And then, you know, Brooke comes along and is like, no, it doesn't. It could be a lot better. And then you fix it and it, and it does get better. Um, so that's really the, the main perk. And we understand that. So I think we communicate in our job and lives better because of it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like we don't take it personally okay. usually. I mean. It's just part of work. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, it's also just so much more efficient. So I'm all about it. Like, mm-hmm. I never ever prefer to work by myself entirely at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I, mean, I can't imagine doing anybody else, but it's almost like you are one unit, one being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's very a, a spiritual thing, too. Yeah. yeah. So. Especially for the series now. With oh, yeah. When masculine you, and feminine energies. Yeah. Just, you know, alchemy seems, alchemy is a very sexual thing, not in terms of, like, we're having sex, but, like, mm-hmm. literally has to do with male and female uh, yeah. um, energies and the coming together, the uniting of opposites. Um, and all that kind of stuff. So it is kind of like too perfect that our art right now is revolving around all of that. And so, yeah, it's just fascinating because every day we're getting so many new insights on, oh my gosh, this means this. And this is like an example of it in real life and how this works. But, you know, as above, so below type thing, it, it, it kind of infinitely goes down and up. So mm-hmm. just as much as I say that, it means all these other things too. So <laughs> I don't have like one uh, definitive explanation of what alchemy is, but I think it's more of a, a system of understanding the nature of reality and the patterns that govern the ultimate reality in the universe, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was going to, one of my qu next questions was around like, what are some big questions that your current artwork is looking at? But it sounds like you already um, talked about that. <laughs> or <did. laughs> yeah, or did. Well, is there anything that, um, in, in addition to uh, alchemy and maybe the, uh, the hermetic principle of masculine feminine energy, is there some other things that are, well, I guess you don't want to explain everything, but is there. A, oh, no, it's, I mean, it's really fine. I mean, yeah. We go as deep as we can. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you, you want to answer that first? Well, what is the what is the work? Uh, or uh, never mind. <laughs> like, kind of, what is the some big questions that the work uh, the pieces that you're working on yeah. are trying to answer? That's what I was trying uh, to say. <laughs> and part of it is like trying to connect with our human history, and, like trying to discover like what our spiritual potential is in this lifetime for for us and for the viewer and anyone else just trying to decode things that have been intentionally failed yeah and i mean alchemy is probably like the most obscure symbolic kind of concept or or phenomena that I know of uh, it reminds me of like looking at all the symbols on like government buildings and money <laughs> and stuff like that. it's like what the hell is all this like something you know they're there for a reason but like what is mm -hmm. it how do we understand it and speak that language so it really is a it's like learning a second language um, and it's taken us Gosh, it's been almost like four years, I think, of pretty, uh, pretty much almost like everyday uh, familiarity and use of the material to even get anywhere with it. So it's not, it's got to be something you just can't stop learning about, I think. You can't, like, even, you know, someone comes in and wants to learn about alchemy or whatever and you know, here's a lecture, or here's us talking about it or whatever. It's like, you just aren't going to get it. Like, even, I, you know, I could tell you, you know, all this stuff that makes total sense to me at this point, but it's, I just can't communicate it to you unless you put in the work it, that it takes to understand it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's on purpose. I think that's kind of the, the beautiful, tricky thing about it. And a lot of these things, you know, this goes into even uh, all the ceremonial magic and all the different orders, even, you know, Freemasonry and Rosicrucianism and, and things like that. You have all these degrees uh, from neophyte all the way up to master and everything. And they're there for a reason because it's like Mr. Miyagi Karate Kid stuff. Like you just can't understand until you really put the work in, you know, you can't, you just can't communicate these things um directly even even mm -hmm. when you try like this you know i'll think i have the words i can communicate that to you but if you don't have the um not you specifically but anyone mm -hmm. if you don't have the i don't know like the repertoire of terms and and gnosis uh you just really can't exactly comprehend you know what's being said there but anyway I, I digress. I think that's on purpose. Uh, 
and is the nature of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why, you know, they say you have to be initiated. Everything's about initiates, you, you know. So when you're initiated, you can move on to the next uh, phase or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a lot. And uh, it, but it's also, everything's paradoxical too, because it is also very practical. Like there's mm-hmm. so much there are aspects of it that I, I can explain that anyone can resonate with mm-hmm. and then be like, wow, that's so beautiful. And that's so uh, poignant and just, and that's you what know. makes the art work. Yeah. Work. Mm-hmm. It makes it alluring to people, I think, because there's an innate attraction to Yes, for sure. The yeah. type of subject, whether people are like fully aware about or not. If it didn't have the practical application, I don't think that this would be a very smart subject to work with in mm-hmm. our uh, career. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously you want to sell work, you want to uh, be known for your work, etc. So if you're choosing something too obscure and it just mm-hmm. can't connect with it, then that's not very smart. But that's the beautiful thing. Like I said, it goes infinitely up and down as above, so below type thing. Yeah. Um, it is, it is just as accessible as it isn't accessible. And I think that first practical reson resonance that people have with it is like the invitation, uh, to the initiation, so to speak. So, you know, if they really take to it and they're like, I love this, it's beautiful. This makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Then we can have that second, uh, kind of level of knowledge and go from there um but yeah uh cool i think i think that is mainly our idea with with it conceptually um Mm -hmm. i think alchemy explains a lot about everything once you really get into it um and my biggest question is the age old, you know, where did we come from? Why are we here? And why don't we have good answers to these questions? Even though all these people say they have good answers, they just still don't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of the decoding <laughs> ultimate reality type stuff. Yeah. Small things. <laughs> yeah. yeah small. <laughs> Oh man, um, I I liked your example. I know it was very pop culture, but it was such a great example, of, like Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> like teaching yeah, and oh, Daniel. I see that one all the time. You do, wow. yeah, because it, it, that is what it is all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Daniel didn't know until he had to keep repeating and like wax on, wax on, wax, wax off. Yeah, <laughs> great. Um, I guess so kind of talking about how you uh we talked about sort of the conceptual of your of the artwork um how do you decide when something's finished I know that's like a thing with the artists that I know there was some uh either article or show I had watched about Leonardo da Vinci like having a problem with stopping some of his artwork or something so how do you decide it's finished I think it that answer is different for for any artist, mm-hmm. just do one last paint stroke and like it's done. That's it's never that 
simple. And there's been so many times we're working on something and we're like, oh yeah, it's, it's almost finished. It's like 95% of the way done, 90%. And Never say that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, we need to start over in this one area. And just brings it back down to being like 50% done. Like we've done that with this Mars-centered sculpture that we're doing right now. We have fun yeah. it so many times. And I... There's been many times where like, yeah, it's almost done. No, it's not. It's not. I think that question doesn't have one answer. <laughs> yeah. But it depends on the piece. Yeah, it, really it, it depends on the piece. Usually it's a matter of uh, form. If it's sculpture, you know, it's like if you turn the lights down and you just see the silhouette, you really need to make sure that that looks the part. Is it balanced? Does it have all the elements of design that kind of make an ideal sculpture unless you're intentionally not making an ideal sculpture. And then there's weird unrealized rules, even within that. Um, yeah. And the art world has got its own weird mystical kind of rules that like you have to be initiated. You can't under, you just can't understand them. Even we don't understand them all the time. Uh, so you always have to be thinking about stuff like that. Um, but I think usually you just know it's like, it almost is like a, a spiritual thing. Like when you just give it over to God and you're like, I trust it's done. I got to stop. And that's probably what Leonardo is having a hard time with. It's yeah. like, when do you just give it up? <laughs> Cause we've had these paintings where it's like, you're just looking at it for hours and hours, hundred hours, maybe more. And, You've been trying to work all these problems out because it is like problem solving constantly. It's very mentally taxing. Mm -hmm. uh, at least, you know, the type of work we do. I don't know, like for abstract painters, it might be different, but uh, you just, you've looked at it so much, you almost like can't even see what you're doing and you'll, you'll throw in the towel and come back to it a month later and you're like, wow, this is so good. Like I didn't even see it then. Or you'll be like, the one thing I, I couldn't figure out was this one little thing. And then you go mm -hmm. over and you just, and that's another reason why having two people is great. Yeah. Cause I might be in that place and then Brooke walks right up to it and is like, choop, choop. and nice. then I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> that's what it was. Like we do that for each other all the time. So, oh. um, and that's, it's the best to be in that position when you just walk up and you save the day. <laughs> and it's like effortless. That really feeds your ego. Yeah. Ugh. I've got that. <laughs> never uh, especially with your wife <laughs> right <laughs> oh so I like yeah I think we did chat a little bit about this piece the Mars piece you're working on um so but personally so I've been trying to locate a Mars statue for my own altar and oddly enough like i I really love this Greek store that I've been buying all of my my statues from, but they don't have an, a Mars one. And I was like, why do you not have Aries? Why do you not have Mars? And it was it's a hard one to find. I think people, and this is just me trying to find a Mars statue for myself, people have a hard time with the Mars energy. I think they, I, they feel I'm weird sorry. having an altar. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because yeah. we okay. have a, a very small like this big, like Mars, uh, statue, that'd be perfect for that. And we could 
put our little artistic uh, spin on it and send it to you. <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Yeah, because we, so we actually have this part. It's casted in, like, resin, and it's painted, like, a, a bronze tone. Oh, really? But we might change it, you know? I mean, we'll make it into, like, a miniature little art piece. But uh, we were going to actually use it on this piece, and mm-hmm. we... It was one of those things where you're just like looking at it and you're like, no, it's it's done. Like the form's <laughs> done. We're not adding any more yeah. uh, detail like that to it. So I just, I have this and I have a bunch of wolves and different things too. Mm-hmm. All art uh, symbolism there. So we can definitely hook you up with that. Oh, wow. Wow. felt special. <laughs> makes sense how it's been hard to finish that piece considering the correlation between the actual meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And on the sculpture, there's a battlefield of here, like right here, of these people battling against each other, and there's angels, and then there's a flipped upside down version of the same thing happening. And then there's the horse head, and then there's a pedestal that's on, but it's all like one big sculpture. But um, yeah, just the general intensity of the red dragon symbolism desire there's war happening it's definitely not something that's like peaceful and... mm-hmm. well there's... i don't know it's <laughs> that's a deep one because yeah like you were saying mars isn't a hot hot deity or energy <laughs> to work with because well it actually literally is a hot one but <laughs> um you know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. very popular. Because yeah. I don't think people take, it's not immediately uh, understood as like, I want more of that. Um, but, you know, some some people need, do need more of that. Like really meek, meek and mild types can use a little of that. You know, everything has its place. Yeah. Perfectly balanced uh, wheel, so to speak. And I know you know that. Um, but... I think that like the Mars energy is really um, valuable for um, understanding desire, but it but it's also like desire itself, so it can be a little a little tough to work with if that makes sense. I mean, because mm-hmm. I mean, if you take like a Buddhist philosophy, which is you know synonymous with so many things in the occult world uh the ultimate idea is to not desire anything (laughs) so it's to get over mar the mars energy um and then if you go into like gnosticism you know mars is like a an archon or whatever so Mm -hmm. it is almost like levels in a video game of like attributes that we have to experience understand and then we can overcome them and move past them Mm -hmm. understand their place uh and then the i guess the complete harmonization of all is almost like nirvana or a, a blissful state where nothing is surfacing above the other it's just all even (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you know maybe i'm totally wrong but that's kind of like my current working understanding of it uh on a very shallow base but um yeah i yeah like mars is always 
synonymous with war and violence and aggression and fire and red and conquest, you know, things that, you know, historically aren't, people aren't proud of and things like that. Kind of mm-hmm. like dominating others. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but, I, but that's not exactly, that's not like just what it is, but right. that's what everyone seems to get out of that. <laughs> yeah. And because I think you two are artists because Mars is also, you know, at least in the sphere of Mars or Aries or he's responsible for creativity too, which is like kind of surprising, like, really that energy (laughs) um so mars is like the fire which is the creative force which is Mm -hmm. sexual energy actually yeah Um, so it's kind of like the masculine sexual energy and then when you go into like kundalini and you know the Mm -hmm. caduceus type of energy flow going up from your root uh that kind of like initial like fire is that like mar martian energy um mm-hmm. and so you know you if you don't have martian energy you're not creating anything you're not creating babies you're not uh you're not fertile you're not uh able to even as an artist create anything with your hands or as a builder you know build whatever it is a temple a house whatever so i think and that's a beautiful thing about acting too, is it kind of schools, if you really get into it, it schools you on all of this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's how I even understand to even have a conversation like this about any of this is kind of through that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I mean, I think that's a fascinating aspect of it that no one thinks about is it is, it's a sexual energy and it's a creative force. And that is what sexual energy is, is, the beginning of a creative force so yeah well thanks for walking through uh <laughs> the, the creative energy of mars and talking about that because that's really cool thank you um so chase when i was looking at some of uh some older interviews that you've done um an artist that you mentioned that you really like is alex pardee um and so when i was looking at his art i was like whoa it's very like uh, there's a lot of energy and I uh, like bright colors and not something I would think like <laughs> that you would, for whatever reason what I have the idea of you that does it um it doesn't jive together but so why why Alex Pardee what what about his work that you like well the, my main thing with Alex Pardee is that he was the first artist I ever saw that changed my life so honestly like now I love the guy. I've met him before. He's a super good guy. We almost worked together on a project two years ago and um, he's just awesome. But like, I've definitely, we've grown in like different directions, I guess. And he's much older than me too. So like, mm-hmm. I was a huge fan of him when I was in middle school. Um, and like now I'm like turning 30. So getting older and um, yeah. So I don't know, like, you just naturally, like, change over time, and I don't know, like, I loved his macabre, like, but almost, like, paradoxical style, because he was, like, putting, like, rainbows and teddy bears Mm -hmm. and, like, really uh, cutesy, colorful, like, happy stuff with, like, really dark, 
uh, kind of scary stuff revolving around death and, you know, kind of just like bad vibes. So I always loved that. I was always like such a little rebel when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that was so badass and I never seen any art like that ever. Um, not even anything close. So it really, I just remember like the first day I saw his work, this was like back when like MySpace was huge and everyone was on MySpace and uh, like YouTube was like a new thing. And uh, he had like made some time-lapse videos of him painting murals and stuff like that. And I was just like addicted and I, I just started like copying him and like he influenced my style so much. That's how I like kind of learned to draw. Yeah, like anytime Chase does doodles or anything, it's very much in Alex Burden's stuff. Oh it's wow, like, he sketches. Yeah, it's like my little it's kid, totally like from our painting style, sculpture stuff. But it's, I feel like all of our stuff still has a little bit of that whimsical aspect. Yeah, because of him. Yeah, I love the whimsy and the, but also the creepy, weird kind of seriousness of it. Um, but anyway, I don't know. Like yeah. I just. I just loved it at the time and it just spoke to me and, and, uh, I devoured anything he put out. And, um, and then my dad actually took me to meet him when I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. And, uh, I just asked him a bunch of questions and like, he gave me some drawings. I actually have one right here. Right here. <laughs> uh, Whoa. That's so cool. <laughs> and, um, I gave him like two of my drawings. Wow. And he was like, dude, just keep, keep doing it. Like you'll figure it out. It'll, you know, he kind of told me some like generic advice, but, uh, but it really like gave me everything I needed. I was like, I can do this and I will do this. Alex told me I could. (laughs) So, you know, to me, it meant a lot. Um, but as I went, like I I went through high school, he was still heavily influenced on my work all throughout high school, but I, I did take it very serious. Uh, I started like a clothing brand and made decent money doing that when I was still in high school wow. in college. I was like little art entrepreneur guy. Um, and that was all I cared about and all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I got into college, they kind of destroyed me and like <laughs> turned me into this like little uh, like art history freak. So I started learning about all the great artists throughout time and all the great paintings around the world and all the great sculptures and blah, blah, blah. And I started getting way more into like academic art, which I was, like I said, was always such a rebel. I never gave a shit about any of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anything to do with it. I hated it. I was like, I never want to go to the loop. That's bullshit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like I just want to like spray paint on the wall and like draw dicks. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it refined me. So, so yeah. I got refined and, reformed and then you know you always have that uh love of your childhood kind of innocence and rebelliousness and that raw energy very marzy and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and so that explains my whole thing with Alex Freddie like now cool. like if I just discovered him now for the first time ever I don't really think I, I would be that into it but uh, I mean dude I love the guy he like is a huge part of who I am so yeah. He is in the Hall of Fame to me. <laughs> yeah, basically, like a lot of formative stops in your life. He was there. That's really cool. Absolutely. And well, and I was a big skater and like I've skated my whole life. And mm-hmm. that type of art is just so skateboardy. And oh, yeah. Kind of punk rock. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. That was uh, very, I, I appreciate the background on Alex Pardee yeah. and you. Um, so Brooke, who is an artist that is kind of similar to you, or do you have one that was kind of a similar influence? Um, there's multiple here and there, but there's also like, I remember, yeah, I don't really think about this a lot, but there was one mm. girl at my high school and she was like several years older than me but my mom was teaching her and she was an artist and she was showing me her stuff and that had a similar effect that Alex Pardee had on him and she just did all these paintings of fit and drawings of fishes and like these girls and stuff and something about it like really I thought she was like the coolest person ever and she inspired me so much and I did start like copying her stuff for like years so I got to call it, I mean, till I got into further into high school art classes, I started like going beyond that, but she definitely inspired me a lot and she does like textile art stuff now, but that was someone who inspired me when I was younger. That was definitely part of why I still stuck with art, though art was like the only thing I felt like I could do since I was like a very young child. Same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Artists that do inspire me in college that I've always loved, Beksinski and Francis Bacon. Those two, I, I, I just always look to their stuff and, like, they have the sort of energy in their work that I want to emulate in my own and in our, our work. But Francis Bacon, like, his work is, well, both of their works are very, like, dark and extremely raw emotion just unfiltered very rough and can be disturbing yeah very intense. at points but i do really love work like that something about it yeah. speaks to me i don't really have the words to describe why that speaks to me so much but that um they're definitely big inspirations to me and they have been for years, always will be, I think. Even in the work we're making now, I look to their stuff for inspiration all the time. They're just like legends to me. So it was Francis Bacon and was it Kandinsky or or did I hear Kandinsky, that wrong? Kandinsky, oh Mez first name is so hard to say. It's uh Zidzislaw. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to actually say it. Uh <laughs> but it's like Zidzislaw Bekzinski. Oh. Yeah. He was a Polish artist. Oh. Tragic story about him, but um, definitely look him up. You will love that if you don't. You probably have seen his stuff before, but um, you. I mean, you'll He's go down a rabbit hole. The gotten, dude has hundreds of paintings, and they're insane. So much stuff in this, and every single one of them is just yeah, amazing on another level. Yeah. Um, I but love that he, Polish. He's stuff. gotten more popular recently, and then with. Yeah. AI art stuff you see a lot of like kind of renditions of like mm-hmm. yeah he's definitely you can tell like a lot of AI art like people are typing his name in oh, right. has like that exact vibe but you can tell it's like not real and kind of off mm. but okay. yeah well I will try to google <laughs> this name yeah, I'll, I'll send you his name oh uh, cool thank chat. you but uh it is not a 
Yeah, not a uh, intuitive spelling of his name. It's like not really, really good. <laughs> well, I'll look forward to to seeing how it's spelled and then how it's pronounced. So, first the Z. Uh, first the Z. Okay. <laughs> um. Well, cool. Um. So another thing that I saw when I was kind of you know looking at some old interviews was the um an NFT collection that uh, you created, but it sounded like maybe Brooke, you were the one that kind of did most of the work, the digital work on it. Um, so they kind of like tops uh, baseball cards, but they looked like comic book art, like Daniel Cloas or um, that kind of stuff. I love comic art. So I was like, wow, these are so cool looking. <laughs> I like comic art too, especially like the older stuff and like the seventies, eighties, and Mobius. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, it was inspiring to me in college too because I got super into illustration and sequential art. I really considered if I should get into comic art, but it's a very difficult path. I, I didn't love it enough for that. But yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, for that project, I really both did. A lot of stuff on it but part of it was me teaching chase how to use photoshop and certain ways to do the stuff i was doing and from there but yeah i did most of the backgrounds though like 100 mm. percent. yeah oh okay. but I've, i had a lot of experience prior to that with photoshop digital painting and just illustrative stuff on that so it did make it a lot easier for that project to to do all those cards yeah yeah, and then, like, obviously, that was, like, a project for, like, my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he was, like, the first rookie athlete in sports history to have an entire, like, set of cards made around him. So it was, like, a big deal, and he, like, invited us to be the artist for the whole project. And wow. it, it was super, <laughs> super sick and surprising. I was yeah. like, oh, no way. Because, you know, I just never really thought about how our I mean we're super close we're like best buds but I just mm-hmm. never thought like how our careers would kind of collide, collide yeah. and like there would be any type of thing like that so um that was amazing uh yeah it, it was cool yeah, but like you know it obviously you look at the work and it's like that's not really like our style or like what what we do but it was mm-hmm. like how do we use our skills to create this thing and it's like a family affair type of cool collaborative project so so we did that yeah (laughs) but but it was a lot of fun that was a really great year um lots of traveling and fun stuff and met so many cool people through that whole process that's actually how we uh almost worked on a project with alex pardee because Mm. he uh works for tops like constantly um, and so they actually get him to do like his sick, weird, like kind of horror movie mm-hmm. 80s, like kind of style uh, on baseball cards. So he has like tons of these baseball cards he's done um, in his like crazy monster, weird style. Yeah. So <laughs> that's yeah. kind of the behind the scenes, I guess, on that. Yeah, they're really cool. I, I, again because i love uh comic art so much i was like oh, these are so cool. like i was looking through all of them they are just really beautiful and um and the color was like Mwah. it was so, so good <laughs> yeah well yeah, i'm obsessive about color oh I, it I shows <laughs> into comic stuff 
telling a story is so important and you know how like oh yeah very literal interpretation of that mm-hmm. i love that type of color use especially like the watchman style mm. yeah totally it just makes sense to me yeah it's like how it should look because i'm in my mind i'm like that's how everything should look yeah I mean, you can't go wrong. It's a classic for a reason. So it's a good, <laughs> it's a good oh, basis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan Allen more is, I just like him as a person. Oh yeah. yeah. He's so weird, but so cool. Yeah. <laughs> An old wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question is around AI art. Cause it's, it's super hot topic lately and you both are artists. So I'm like dying to know what each of you yeah. think about AI art. <laughs> Oh, or not like the biggest haters ever of AI art or anything, but like some of it is, and so it can definitely be annoying, but there's plenty of stuff out there. Like there's these AI pages on Instagram that people are making, where they're just making prompts every day. I don't know if they're like tightening them up in Photoshop or anything, but they're just making this whole feed of a specific aesthetic of like, Mm -hmm maybe like horror, the 50s, 60s style art, AI art. And it's cool. I, I like looking at it. It's cool. But yeah. it obviously doesn't feel the same as like a real art piece. I just, yeah. And I don't think, I think it makes physical art more valuable. Yeah. <laughs> That's a plus. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it's just changing the whole landscape of, or it's adding in like a whole new, a whole new dynamic, I guess, to art and the creative process. I know, like, early on, the whole intention behind a, a prompt-based, uh, like, output for, like, uh, like a visualization is was to help inspire artists. So it was, like, type this in, and it'll kind of give you, like, kind of a starting point, but very vague. You know, maybe you have some, like, really strong use of these colors and a basic kind of shape or figure or whatever. It was just kind mm-hmm. of more like to get you going and be like, okay, now you are an artist, make an art piece out of this inspiration. Um, and now it's gone to full blown. Like you can just type anything in and get, you know, the most amazing thing. But uh, what people don't really realize too, is like, there's an art to making the prompts. Because, like, if you or I just started typing in prompts, like, we'll probably get a bunch of, like, really crappy stuff that looks, doesn't look right. You gotta know, like, the secret formula to yeah. what it what it is you want. Um, it's gotten very advanced. But, I, I mean, I think it's actually really useful for assisting, like, uh, composition and color theory and just you know, kind of the, the basic skeleton of an art piece. But on the flip side, none of the great artists throughout history ever used anything like that. So yeah, you almost feel a little bit like, well, Don't is my stuff less than if I do that? But also, like, it just depends who you are. Like, who cares? But also, um, I, I really, what it's annoying, I think, is all these people that are just like constantly posting the AI stuff and they're not telling you like, this is AI art. And it's almost like they're, they're trying to say like they did it or something. Mm -hmm. Like videos on Instagram. Like it's like an old video 
of like a singer, you know, like Selena Quintanilla, like her, her videos. I've seen people constantly using AI to like sh sharpen the video and enhance it. And it looks so weird and not real. I hate that. Yeah. That's what I hate the most about AI. Mm -hmm. Everyone's doing that. And I think it looks good and it looks like shit. Yeah. It's like ruining what it is supposed to look like. Like, yeah. I see stuff like that all the time. That's, like, a really specific thing. But I've seen it with other older musicians and uh, just in general. Like, the, I know with cameras, they have, like, an AI technology that helps fill in things if the photo's, like, blurry or something or far away. But sometimes I can, mm. like, do it. Yeah. Our I don't know how much I like that. all of the AI stuff constantly. But some of it's cool. Well, the crazy thing is it's, like, just kind of started in the last, like, year and a half. I, well, I won't say it just started, but, like, it's really taken off and gotten mm -hmm. super popular in the last year and a half. And now it's, like, everyone's using it. Like, chat GPT is another mm -hmm. one. And, I mean, I've messed around with that. And, like, that's amazing to me. I'm, like, holy shit. This can, like, literally write a book in, like, 10 seconds. And it has very few, like, weird errors and things like that um but you know there you can all like it's just retraining us to like spot things i think too because i always know when something's ai for the most part um especially yeah. if it's like a picture like or a video mm -hmm. there's so many like dead giveaways like that never gets hands right it'll, they're all be like it never gets text right obviously it'll just look like some weird alien language yeah um and those things are going to get better and they'll probably you know in a, a year or two be a, totally a thing of the past they'll probably be so good that we won't even know anymore. I don't know, but I guess I think you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So you know, just use it in a in a way that's a legitimate uh, tool, or or just a fun, entertaining thing. But you know, don't you know, try to act like you're creating this from the ground up. And I mean, mm -hmm. it's not gonna work. Like ever, you'll get found out if you do that. So. Yeah, it is weird. But the end, also, last thing, like Brooke was saying about the like Instagram pages, it'll be like a whole an account with this aesthetic, and it's just like AI post, picture post after picture post, and it's like it's cool, 60s it's space like, monster sci-fi, or it's yeah. like... Mm -hmm. I love those. They're cool, but they're also a bit soulless. Well, so I was saying like, like uh, mm -hmm. they're cool like mood boards almost, so that might be like yeah. a whole new like cultural thing. That starts happening is like now we go on Instagram and we look at AI uh, pages to get uh, ideas about whatever vibe we want to portray or you know I don't know like yeah. how Pinterest kind of is for people. Pinterest has gotten bad with AI stuff. I don't know why they're not filtering out some of it because like yeah. I'll, like the other day I was trying to look for some like older anime illustrative stuff and I could not find anything that was real like hmm. ninety. Nine percent of it was actually all anime AI stuff. I was like, "What's happening? Like, where's, where's the actual stuff I used to see months ago?" Yeah. Well, now the internet's Anyways. flooded with like billions of AI images every second, and so they're gonna start popping up everywhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Go <laughs> yeah, they need to like have their own section, like filter it out. <laughs> We'll see where that one goes, though. That's a, yeah. Thank you for sharing about the AI stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. I I like the idea that it's going to make 
or it is making physical art a little more, you know, desirable. Because I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I've never worried once about, oh, we're going to lose our jobs because of this. Like, uh, some people say stuff like that, and it's like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, well, it's, it's not a physical painting that will always be valuable. And that, like, it's more scary for, like, people who work on valuable. video games and movies. Because yeah. you're not, that, you're not really dealing with a lot of physical art. It is a lot of digital conceptual stuff. That's true. So I think, you know, AI could definitely start heavily threatening it um mm -hmm. but at this stage the ai is not good enough to fully compensate so you do still have to have real people that are like at least taking the images and fixing them and like polishing them up like if his hands look like this they have to um make them look like regular hands and yeah it's just made me more glad that we have the job we have right yeah, well, go into anything digital no hate to that stuff i mean it's mm -hmm. cool, but it's like now you have AI on your ass. Like, right. If you're not like the best of the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can definitely make like little assets in video games. Like you need a, a burlap sack sitting on the floor in this scene of this game. Or you need a barrel or, a, you know, a box or a cabbage or whatever. <laughs> like all that can just easily be kind of made in AI. Yeah. Um Brave new world with the AI. We'll 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 pay attention and see what yeah, happens. It is already changing like the entire world. I mean, it is mm -hmm. we're coming into like a new age, so to speak. So yeah, it's exciting. So. It's exciting, but they always have growing pains. That's true. But you just always gotta roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. That's the key. Uh, let's see. Yeah, thanks for walking down the AI road with me. Um, so switching gears just a little bit, um, because if people are following you, uh, they'll see really beautiful pictures of the house, uh, the farmhouse you guys live in, and um, and video too. And I know recently you have a separate uh, Instagram account for your your home, and I just love it. <laughs> yeah, postmark stuff. It's just I'm so bad at like consistently doing social media yeah we just we both hate it and oh i know to, like really get <laughs> things popular yeah it's, it's so like hard. you have to like push yourself with your work working on it but it's like do i really want to post like you know i don't want <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> yeah. put makeup on to right. all that just to like make a post mm -hmm. but you have to, to get anything any momentum these days it's totally yeah. different like four years ago so much better back then four years ago it was back then yeah four, yeah. way back then well, yeah. Like, like, four years ago it was perfect yeah like, now mm -hmm. it was... anyway sorry well so i know the at least i've seen you explain the design and uh design interior called maximalism um if you want to kind of talk about that and um yeah what, what, what is maximalism? Well, uh, there's shit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's actually more of like a, a historical aesthetic in um, country houses and manors and even palaces and things like that. Uh, this is our least decorated room. Yeah, this room. Please do not judge the house by the This is our, yeah. This is like yeah. extreme low effort. Well, you've seen the pic picture of the rest of our house, but. Yeah, but for anyone else who sees it, it's like. This is like our. Uh, you can't do much with a computer room, honestly. 
I don't even know what this room is. It's the the redheaded stepchild of our house. So, <laughs> but uh, anyway, maximalism is it really comes from in Europe the like aristocracy would take think this thing called a grand tour and they would tour around you know at least all around Europe but um, perhaps even the world or something like that and they would bring back like they would go for like a whole year or you know six months whatever a very long trip Um, and this is back when you're on like steamboats and uh, what do they call them like ocean liners and things like that so you have all this luggage and all these trunks and blah 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 and you're just filling them with all these tchotchkes and things from your travels and you basically display them everywhere when you get back so you have this whole collection and it's kind of like a um a flex of like wealth it's like oh i've traveled the whole world and i i've collected this and this and this obviously today like you can just fly anywhere in like 10 minutes and uh, it's really not that big of a deal and we have antiques everywhere and you can just buy stuff and so i love the aesthetic of these rooms where you had all these people in the 18th and 19th century even the 20th century um having these grand displays from all over the world just like decked out walls cracker barrel style but with like really fancy stuff and really obscure odd things um and they seem to have a better relationship with like the macabre and death and dark things we would say now but you know you would it wouldn't be uncommon to have like a almost like a shrine to like loved ones and maybe you have locks of their hair (laughs) and bones and all kinds of weird kind of like gothic weird stuff we would consider these days. Um, but anyway, we just love all that kind of stuff. So we kind of hodgepodge it all and make it into our own thing. Uh, we have like a curio room. That's like a library and it's full of like kind of the, the most weird and the most valuable historical things we own. Um, we have like real Renaissance art in there. We have, uh, like originals and then we have um, all kinds of cool like tribally used uh, artifacts from different tribes all over Africa Papua New Guinea and uh, we have a lot of like Nepalese stuff and uh, Balinese stuff yeah and we got everything so and then all our old books yeah like we have like head a head hunter uh sword from uh gosh what is it what country is it from it's an island uh starts with an m it it, oh yeah it's like in malaysia but it's like its own thing i forget but anyway it was literally used to like cut multiple people's heads off so we got a lot of like cursed objects in our house and like we have a human skull you know we have all kinds of kinds of weird stuff um i could go on but yeah the the main thing is like every wall in our house is pretty decked out um and every room kind of has a little bit of its own theme at mm-hmm. least in colors yeah uh, like the pink and we'll call it the pink room the blue room and then our bedroom's green but we don't call it a green room really and then our hallway and upstairs is 
is all like this really intense yellow and then the floors are like an extremely dark green with like patterned uh, carpets on it but yeah we love using strong colors but i feel like that only works if you don't do the scandinavian mm. target vibe well, also, it, it's insanely hard to decorate and have a style in anywhere close to that we have if you don't have a historic home. Like, you have to mm-hmm. have yeah, an old house with tall ceilings, and that's usually all you need. Like, that'll work. But if you go, you know, these new houses, everything's drywall and everything, no, nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't translate as well. Because, mm-hmm. like, my mom and dad live in a house like that, and, like, they love our style, and they my mom's always like, I wish we could do this and this. And it's just like, it will never work in your house. It just won't yeah. work. So, yeah, and- so that's what it comes with. Like, you have to have an old home. And then mm-hmm. that sound breaks too. I mean, sometimes you don't know what you're getting with like the physical state of the home. But also you just wonder about like anything that's happened there in the past. And if that like affects the home's environment too, what that means mm-hmm. for you moving into there and all that. Right. But I like that aspect of it. Uh, I like a historical building. Being in an old home, a on big old land. <laughs> I like that. Like feels good, feels comforting, probably. Yeah. Well, we live on a. I mean, everyone lives on an ancient property, technically, but our uh, property is very historical. And we have like a mineral spring that runs through our backyard, and we have chickens and ducks and yeah. cats and dogs and a lizard, a snake. <laughs> everything Mm -hmm. uh, we have fruit trees like tons of mulberry trees pecan trees the natural mushrooms around here are insane we get morels we get uh chanterelles we get chicken of the woods like all things that we eat and forage and it's really cool like this land feels super blessed yeah well yeah the pecan trees are like 200 years old and then i mean we have huge trees i mean it's beautiful like when it rains and Every season is just really And it's nice. foggy, like, it, uh, the grass is so green, and it looks almost like you're, like, in Ireland or it something. It really does. So when it wow. Rains, people walk outside, it's, like, it really, it's it's not like we live in the middle of Williamston, where it's there's a gas far. station in our front yard. <laughs> there is, basically. <laughs> well, <laughs> but our yeah. backyard is, like, a haven that it really does have a Scotland-Ireland feel. Yeah. But, you know, we also, you know, we live on an island, so to speak, as artists. Like, you know, I don't really know anyone like us living in a place like this around here. Uh, It's like most of our peers and stuff are like in New York or L.A. and stuff like that. But we live out in the middle of Podunk, wherever. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to, like, just embrace it because it's like most people would not like this. Uh, Yeah, we have, like, meth heads everywhere and, like. (laughs) Like, literally, someone threw a crack pipe in my front yard the other day. I'll send you a picture of it. <laughs> okay. it, had, it had meth, like, still in it. Yeah. And I was, like, I thought it was, like, a little, like, bottle. Like, maybe someone threw, like, a little airplane shot or something in my yard. I'm, like, what the hell is this? And I look it up. Oh, no. Freaking crack pipe. It felt so disgusting. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we, yeah, we have, like, a lot of homeless people walking around. And, you know, like, we're just kind of in a rundown, like, country area. But mm. I just, I don't know. I embrace it. I'm like, I I know everybody. I go to the feed store for the animal. Well, Brooke usually does, but um, 
I go to like the hardware store, the gas station, wherever. Goodwill. Jay's like friends with Goodwill. Like I know everybody in he town. He knows all the ladies that work at the Goodwill. They're all like his friends. Yeah. So <laughs> I, we love that feel. I like so. that. Yeah. yeah. I'll just sit there and talk yeah. to him forever about whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I embrace kind of the the quote unquote like trashy like southern town kind of vibe. I mean, it's just like gritty. It's gritty and it's dirty and it's. It's depressing in some ways, but it is, it's just life. Like everyone around here is like, yeah, they're all good people. And like, I just love, I love their vibe. Like that, you know, they're not that educated a lot of times or anything, Mm. but they're just like, they know how to have a good time. They're funny. We get along good. It's kind of like, it's a very weird juxtaposition to, to us on the other hand, you know, Mm -hmm. I kind of always have this like, not that we're like small so smart, but... no 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 not i'm not saying that it's just funny to have like that divide of like almost like tra- trailer park mm-hmm. rocks and cigarettes and then you know high-end like antiques and right art and antiques and just yeah. like establishment the juxtaposition <laughs> is like comforting yeah, yeah. Really happy to live in a city i hope we don't well, have to get to that point where we have to live in a city. Just yeah, we're not city. We cannot people. imagine. We gotta have like some people can do it. It's cool. It, it works for them. But I really do enjoy. We're big being on nature. Able to hmm. be grounded whenever I want to with the actual earth. Yeah. And yeah, I think kind of the gritty um, side of like the South is like that like modern like southern gothic kind of vibe because it is like kind of darker and Mm. like like literally think about like medieval times or like the dark ages it's kind of like its own little dark age in and of itself you know you just have a lot of poverty and like everyone eats so bad and uh everyone smokes cigarettes and you know whatever like you know it's just like a different world uh to a lot of people but i think it influences us in our work which is why i even even go on to talk about it a lot it is inspiring in some way to the to the process yeah you can't help but kind of put out what where you're from and what the environment you're in you know so Mm -hmm. i think it's all kind of like part of us at least at this stage and it'll have some influence probably throughout our entire life because we're used to being around that kind of of atmosphere so you know it's like we're like normal like regular people really but everyone around here is like thinks we're like super wealthy or something (laughs) like we live in like a we live in like a normal house and like don't like smoke crack (laughs) it's like (laughs) the bar she low yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, so i'm just like oh man like y'all can do so much more yeah oh i know but you know how it is so yeah Yeah. there's pockets of that type of thing and like every everywhere but here oh yeah a, here's got like a distinct like southern expression of it that's mm-hmm. different than it would be like in seattle or new york or you know whatever and then the bright side yeah. of here too is that there's all this farmland cows just all types of yeah animals around and there's farmers markets like every five miles around here mm-hmm. so you have a constant source of just fresh foods that people have put 
love and effort into growing and like raw milk, raw cheeses, you know, the beef is like pastured, local, mm-hmm. and you can get to know people raising those animals and growing up food is really, it's cool to have that so close by too, which makes it yeah. so much more valuable to me. Yeah. Yeah. We're big on agriculture, obviously, because we live here. So. Mm-hmm. We're like old farmers. <laughs> yeah. I, basically, it looks like a farm from what I can see. <laughs> but, it is yeah. a little bit. The chickens are a lot of work. Yeah. I'm really obsessed with them for like a full year. Mm-hmm. The chickens. Now I'm like a little burnt out, and I'm like, okay, can you guys stop being like so much work to handle? Like, <laughs> we need <to> poop. <laughs> but I, the eggs are so worth it. Oh yeah, I bet. Oh my gosh. Love the chickens. Yeah, we want to get cows, but we're not there. No yet. Okay, <laughs> down the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the plan. A dairy cow. Oh, cool. Oh um, well, wow. Yeah, we've definitely been uh, chatting for a while because this has been really fun um so we're kind of wrapping up um do uh do either of you have a favorite motto or words of wisdom that you would like to share and leave the audience with i'm not sure if there's any i could think of off the top of my head. <laughs> that's okay but chase yeah i got chase one. is very country because he's always having tons of random country saying that i still hadn't even heard <laughs> like growing up on a horse farm in tennessee it's like he just it's all in there mm-hmm. uh, but you also have like normal models sorry yeah well That's no i definitely mean. have tons of those uh the one i always tell myself it's really it sounds really dumb but it's actually if you're anything like i am amazing uh ain't nothing to it but to do it so mm-hmm. It sounds, I like it. it, it well, it sounds <laughs> not, is a good it doesn't though. sound that cool. It's like kind of lame, but that's the one thing I always tell myself. And then I think about it. And I'm like, that's so true. Like I could literally just do whatever it is and that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. So anytime you're procrastinating or dreading doing something, it's like, just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ain't it's nothing to it. Just do it. <laughs> and then you I do it and you're doing it and it's done. And then yeah. voila. So that's kind of my, uh, my daily life motto because I struggle with getting stuff done if I don't tell myself that. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, same for me, even with that quote, like, that'll get me out of bed. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just do something, you know, like, nothing worse than just sitting there doing nothing. So, yeah. That's true. I like it. I found when I ask people this question, it seems like the simpler ones are the ones that are like, yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like that. Yeah. Um, Okay, very cool. Um, so where can people find you both and learn about your work and yourselves, your wonderful home, all the great animals that you have and take care of? You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on our website link, but we have an email subscription list if people are interested in subscribing. We send out newsletters. Yeah, so that would be our website's bclawrence.art and then our instagram is uh brooke chase studio and then our facebook page is the same um and i think that's it and then if you go to our uh instagram you can find the house instagram there we're just starting that up so Mm -hmm. it's not that big at this point but (laughs) just for fun 
But yeah. Yeah, well, I thought like I'm really like my heroes are all like in the interior design world, like House uh, mm-hmm. and Garden UK and like Arc Digest stuff like that. And my passion is like interior design, but I'm like an artist, so I'm not exactly like directly involved with that and i don't do it professionally even though mm-hmm. everyone says i should um so i wanted an outlet for that uh, so i made that account just to like be able to somehow make sense of like like i have all these amazing pictures of our house but i don't have anywhere to really post them because i'm not going to put them on our art page mm-hmm. so, like i'll just put them on this and then feed it to like my facebook or whatever so yeah anyway if you're into interior design check out our instagram and you can it'll be there you can see it mm-hmm and we cross post certain things like if it's showing like a cool interior but also the artwork so, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> well cool thank you yeah i'll definitely put all the links into yeah, the no, show I notes i figure you would do that yeah i would do that all right well thank you both for your time and it's been a lot of fun and yeah excited well it's an honor uh, <laughs> yeah to be on the podcast and do the show with you thank you so much for having us yeah thank you a big thank you to our incredible guests brooke and chase lawrence for more information about them be sure to check out the show notes your support is invaluable to us if you found this podcast enjoyable take a moment to express your love by liking commenting and sharing it with those who might resonate with this content and of course don't miss out on future enlightening discussions by hitting that subscribe button your engagement propels us forward and we are truly grateful for each and every one of you thank you for being an essential part of the casual temple community 